Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugged your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh no! Oh my god, it's, it's a really long video! Ew! In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do? Tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone. A Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Conversations Against Living Miserably, a podcast where we try to find solace in a world where our brains are usually against us. My name is Aaron Gillis, and each week I'll be joined by... Me, Lauren Patterson. Each week we chat to different guests about how they try and live their life without misery. But we try and do it with a little bit of laughter, because otherwise that sounds like a pretty gloomy idea for a podcast. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Dave, the TV channel, and Calm, the campaign against living miserably. Morning. Welcome back. Nice to see you again. Hope you're well. How's your mum? Uh, no, I'll stop doing that. Um, this week's guest is Ishan Akbar. Ishan is a comedian, writer and actor who you might have seen on Frankie Boyle's New World Order uh, or Mot the Week or both of them. I don't know what your viewing habits are. This week, we speak to Ishan about anxiety, the templates for success and the futility of life. It's not. It's not as serious as that. It doesn't sound... It's quite serious. Anyway, shut up. Uh, not, not you, me. Uh, oh yeah, you know this by now, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, this podcast raises money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. All the ad revenue goes to them. Uh, we don't get anything. I don't make anything for doing this podcast. Uh, all the money goes to Calm. Uh, because why the heck not? Why wouldn't you do something like that? Why not? Uh, Calm have a free and anonymous helpline that's brilliant. Uh, I've used it in the past. It's absolutely amazing and they do incredible work. So uh, by donating... No, not by donating. By listening, you're donating. But if you want to donate more... Go to, go to thecalmzone.net and uh, just have a look at all the stuff they've got going on there. Anyway, that's enough of me rambling on and talking complete bollocks. Here is Lauren and myself chatting with Ishan Agman. Hello, 
welcome on this week's podcast we have Ishan Akbar. That was nice. Hello. Was little sing song. I feel in a good mood. I don't know what's happened. Uh, it's me. It's you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Surely. Positive. You never sing my name. I know. You didn't bring biscuits. Oh, that's very true. Yeah. yeah Ishan brought us all biscuits. Yeah. So, um, to any future guests, cookie. step your fucking game off. Yeah. <laughs> Warm cookies. <laughs> Guests should bring warm cookies. <laughs> Our first question that we ask everybody is, when was the last time you felt calm? Well, the last time I felt calm was last weekend. Ooh. I was in Finland. Oh, that's a lovely place. I was in Helsinki and I was in a sauna. Nice. And this sauna overlooked the Baltic Sea. Holy shit. That is good. And uh, I did a bit in the sauna and then went into the Baltic Sea. And then I turned round and it was just a mass expanse of nothing. And Ooh. I was like, oh, I'm nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm this tiny speck in this massive body of water, Amazing. which could swallow me up at any time. Why do I give a shit about anything? <laughs> so that was when I was like, oh yeah, the futility of life. Cool. I'm so calm. <laughs> Back in the sauna. Back in the sauna. Yeah. Sweating. So that was the last time I was calm, but it had to be, I had to fly to Finland mm-hmm. and go to a sauna and pay good money to have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find it in your day-to-day life at all or is it... No. no. Yeah, no. I mean, my day to day life is just like my brain constantly telling me various reasons why I've done fucked everything up. <laughs> uh, so it was just nice at that point where I was like, do you know what? If I fuck up I, in this sea, I'm going to die. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at peace with that. Yeah. I'm at peace with that. Because you can't fight it. You can't fight the elements, can you? No. Ultimately, we're all here until there's a massive tsunami or an earthquake. Sorry, this is a very depressing start to the podcast. Calm <laughs> introductions. <laughs> but yeah, in, in short answer, that was the last time I was calm, was this weekend. The weekend is They're quite a calm people, like the Finnish and the, like the Scandinavian. Yeah, I mean... very I, chill, aren't I, they? I went out there to do a gig and the promoter was like, look, I know the Brits are repressed, but the Finns are extreme level of repression. Like, they do not, there's no emotion, they don't talk to yeah. each other. Even in the, um, I had a guide uh, which said, Finns don't do small talk, silence is preferred. Oh, <laughs> It's in the Beautiful. official guide. Like, this That's is like amazing. The, the foreign office's directive. Don't talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, great. This is, I kind of like that. Yeah. So they were very, yeah, they're very chilled out people. Are they a good audience for a comedy gig? Yeah, I mean, I had to be a bit, a bit slower. They're quite polite, aren't but they? But they're very, well, they yeah. clapped after every joke. Yeah. I felt like Beyonce. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, you're clapping after every joke. This is amazing. <laughs> now I know what musical comedian feels like. <laughs> and I just threw out average stuff and they still clapped. I was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So if you ever just need a bit of an ego boost, just go to Finland just for two Finland. days. Go to it. Finland, get the ego boost, and then appreciate the fertility of life in the Baltic Sea. Perfect. That sounds like a good Tuesday. <laughs> but in your day-to-day life, if you have to try and get any sense of calm, is there any way you, you try to achieve that, or do you just let the uh, the diluge of uh, <laughs> life just flow over Yeah, you? it's it's weird. Like I, mo- Most of the time, you know, the, the something, whatever my day-to-day is, there are things in my brain that keep telling me, oh, you could have done this better, or you should have done this differently and so a lot of it is just waiting for bedtime for my brain to just stop mm. telling me all this stuff mm-hmm. but I try I try and distract myself by you know listening to music or you know playing PlayStation or something but even then like I went through a, <laughs> I went through a long phase of losing matches at PlayStation uh, on FIFA like on a mm-hmm. football game mm-hmm. and then going oh see even the computer game knows I'm shit <laughs> <laughs> and it was so easy to keep telling myself but it's hard to find ways to be calm mm. during the day 
I think, because I'm 35. I'm five years into my career. I left a banking job to to pursue comedy, and comedy is going well. But also, it's like I don't have enough money, or my parents are immigrants and they work so hard. Is this really what they wanted me to do? Mm-hmm. Still tell jokes for a living? Uh, am I doing enough to keep the people around me happy? Uh, yes, because you brought cookies. Yeah, because I brought <laughs> cookies. I can't answer the other ones, yeah. but I can very much, yeah, very precisely. much tick that one. Um, but ca- I think calmness is such a powerful and underrated state of being yep. and like I said it had to be forced on me for me to feel that sense of mm-hmm. calm otherwise it's, it's not happening Are you happier now working in comedy than you were working as a banker? Yes and no Ooh interesting okay. So the yes is I'm doing something I love mm-hmm. uh, I am doing something creative the no is I think most comedians will attest to this is the lack of stability yeah Yeah, and and comedy is you know your flavour of the month one day Mm -hmm. and then not the next and you just don't know what the parameters are for what works so and you know in banking the one thing that I kind of bring over this is I'm going to sound like such a wanker for saying this but (laughs) it's um, diversifying your portfolio right so in banking everyone you know when you've got lots of money what they say is diversify your portfolio so if there's a crash in anywhere else you'll be able Mm. to and that's something I try and do with, with comedy I try and do very different things but the thing with that is the other things might not happen unless you do well enough in something else Yeah. so unless I'm a famous enough comedian Mm -hmm. I might not get a sitcom I'll just be another do you see what I mean so it's just there's this causality in comedy which is slightly different Um, but fundamentally I'm more happy than I was when I was a banker definitely Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I'm not going to Canary Wharf and being sucked up Mm. it's just slavery in suits basically when I I picture where you work I picture like you know like Gringotts in Harry Potter (laughs) Like that's you can tell I've never had like a proper proper like career job. So when I think of things like banking, I imagine it'd be yeah. like like Harry Potter. Yeah, their ones are their mouses, <laughs> <laughs> or their mice even. Yeah, yeah. Is that what do you think is more of a stressful environment to work in? Like that kind of banking, high flying career industry or comedy? That's a great question. because yeah. I think a lot of people think that comedy must be the most chilled, easy, or not even just comedy, but like the arts. Yeah, but I. I I'm interested from someone who's been in both worlds. I think the performative aspect of both, so let's call the performative aspect of being a banker, being in the office, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the performative access of being a comedian, being on stage. Yeah. Comedy is much calmer. I'm my, mm-hmm. my calmest I can be when I'm on stage. I'm very happy to be there. But the stuff outside, outside the office, mm-hmm. banking is, I don't think about it. Whereas comedy is all consuming. It's every day. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and you're constantly thinking, you know, it might be material. It might be um, what your next project is going to be. You don't really clock off. Yeah, yeah you don't really clock off. And often it's oh my god how did that that person get that so annoying mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. so so comedy is definitely that whereas banking I certainly this is probably why I didn't succeed in banking is because as soon as I left the office I was done <laughs> <laughs> no longer interested in what was happening I can just imagine if the banking world was like comedy being like oh my god someone gave John a pound yeah. why did John get that pound <laughs> yeah. no but it happened as well you know bonus season you know around February time bonus season bonus season that sounds fun that's a season so in January they sit down with you and they say right uh, this is how well you did yeah and this is how much I like you therefore you're going to get X thousand pounds amazing in your February paycheck and immediately you're like yes yeah brilliant and then you hear that somebody got you know ah. 30 grand more than you you're like he he has a smoking break every three hours <laughs> <laughs> how's he pulled that off <laughs> 
So that that, that does yeah. happen. Mm, that does happen. But to me, I was just like, okay, that's more money than I've ever seen before. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, you're so chilled. I'm not so chilled for a banker. <laughs> yeah, such a chilled banker. <laughs> it's probably why you're no longer a banker. <laughs> yeah, precisely. I didn't have enough passion for it. <laughs> Did you have that anxious brain during when you um, your last career as well? Then, so that kind of idea of. Do you know what? No, and this is what's interesting is is <clears throat> I think a lot of it, and I, I talked about this in my Edinburgh show, which is that I was given this template for what um, success looks like, yeah. and that was given to me by my parents and my community, right? And because I come from an immigrant background, it was very clear that you achieve certain things, and by achieving those things, mm-hmm. you become a a man and b someone who is a worthy partner to someone. When I was, you know, after I graduated, and I became a banker. On paper, I did everything. Mm-hmm. So actually, I was kind of just biding my time until the things that I deserved, as far as I was told, came to me. You know, I, I've done everything. But in, when the financial crash happened in 2009, uh, my department was the first, it was very, it was a luxury department. It was sport, media and entertainment. So we were just doing banking for celebrities, right? Mm-hmm. So it was the first department to go. And I didn't tell my parents for three months that I'd lost my job. Mm, right? sure. And I'd kind of pretend to go to work oh, wow. because I didn't want them to think that I'd failed. And by failing... I had yeah. let them down and all da, 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 da. that was the first time where I was like, okay, now I guess I'm defining the terms of my existence. And I was 24, you know, 24, 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Suddenly I was like, oh, what, what is it that I want to do? So then I decided I wanted to do a master's in public policy, started working in government for a bit. But I think, I know I might be wrong, but a lot of the formative years, kind of your late teenage years, early 20s, particularly in the, in the communities that I came from, they kind of decided for you. So at 24, I had a level of maturity that I didn't, wouldn't have had when I was 16 or 17, but absolutely no experience to understand how this life stuff works. Mm-hmm. And at 18, so I bought a house when I was 18. And this is was a very typical thing to happen in our family. So my dad helped me, bought the house, I'm paying a mortgage. So I had this weird level of understanding about how the base rate works, but not really knowing what it is I want mm-hmm. from my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, so from 24 to now, like even you know, it took five years and you know, five years after that, I quit banking and became a comedian. So in a sense, I'm still trying to work out what this is. I'm still going through my formative years of where I want to be. But one thing I do know is now I am in a place uh, where I wouldn't have been 10 years ago, which is I'm a lot more confident that this is the right thing to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What uh, made you want to make that switch? Comedy kind of chose me. The thing is, all throughout my life, I'd always done something uh, alongside my career. So I I was a Bollywood dance choreographer. Uh, I used to I work did in... not know this. Did you not know this? No. I was a Bollywood dance How has this never come up in conversation? Has it not? No. <laughs> I mean, that's something that you would brag Tell about all me. the time. Oh, really? Everything. Yeah. That so basically, from the age of like 11 to about 22, uh-huh. I started dancing at 11, and then I started performing, and then I started choreographing probably about 16. This is amazing. And I had a dance troupe, and we did Bollywood, and it was just, yeah, I, I loved it. And I wanted, to go to, I wanted to go to India yeah. and do it professionally, and my mum said, that's not going to happen. I said, why? <laughs> she goes, you're too fat. I was like, oh, <laughs> This fair. is a Hollywood film right here. <laughs> yeah, Ishan, get the script written. Yeah, yeah we had to become a comedian they can become like the Bollywood dancing mm. comedian or something, I don't know um, too fat for Bollywood <laughs> too fat for Bollywood but just right for comedy yeah <laughs> perfect <laughs> just right for comedy <laughs> can we trademark this right now yeah. I, <laughs> um, so I did that and I did some amateur dramatics so when I was working in government policy I started writing for a few newspapers then I wanted to become a broadcast journalist so I recorded a showreel and the guy from the showreel said you're quite funny try stand up I was like that's stand-up is what celebrities do. I had mm-hmm. no idea that normal people did stand-up and then became celebrities. And my you know, I, my 28th gig was the Say You Think You're Funny final. Mm-hmm. 
And then about a year later, I got signed. And two weeks after that, I opened for Mickey Flanagan it's on a warm-up tour. And I was like, oh, oh, I see. This is something I should be doing. Yeah. Like, I've got his DVDs and now I'm mm-hmm. in the same room as him. So maybe this is something I should take seriously. And yeah. that's when I was like, oh, this maybe this is what my calling in life was. It's nice sometimes to find things by accident, though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think people put so much pressure on you to be like, you have to decide what you want to do and you have to yeah. make these decisions. But isn't it nice to just fall into something and be like, oh, yeah. oh that's nice. Absolutely. And I think also what it does is it slightly takes the pressure off. Yeah. Because this isn't something that I've wanted to do since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh, I'm quite good at this. And, it seems and I enjoy it. I enjoy yeah. it. And I'm, cho- I'm choosing it on my terms, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas I think it's very easy when this is a dream that you've had and it's not going the way you want it to at a certain time, which is the case with comedy all the time. Mm-hmm. You're just like, oh, you know, this is I've wanted this more than anything else. And you, you, there's 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 a couple of different ways to be hungry, isn't there? There's you, know, you can be hungry where the point where you're just smashing your face into the plate, <laughs> or you're like, I'm hungry, but I can use cutlery and it's fine. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. But it is that kind of like idea that we have to have that set rule for life. Like you have to do this, get a house, family, all this sort of stuff. I mean, from my own perspective, I've only ever just winged it. I've just kind of, I've never really had a plan. And Mm -hmm. I just kind of, accidents happen and they're either good or they're bad. And I've ended up with jobs that I quite like and get to do stupid shit like this, uh, which is all wonderful. Well, (laughs) I beg your pardon. I am offended and insulted. (laughs) Hashtag triggered. Edit all of this. Bit out, it'd be absolutely fine. Um, Take your cookie back. Take your cookie back. Uh, but you know what I mean like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. like I think that whole idea of having that set plan is so stressful as well because mm-hmm. the moment you don't start reaching that or getting like you were saying like that matter of fulfilment thinking this is exactly what I should have been doing yeah. why am I not happy all the time yeah. it just it ends it leaves you with this kind of just emptiness an idea that there is nothing to do and where do you go from here if you achieve everything mm-hmm. yeah. so um, yeah I don't really know where I was going with that sorry I went off a bit of a rant <laughs> sorry no but I get your point which is that ultimately like if you do set that plan for yourself you're kind of setting yourself up for disappointment because there's there's so many factors that determine whether or not a particular target you have is is met and even with comedy I've I've, I've basically set no target the only target I've set is I want to feel like I'm better than I was you know last last week Mm -hmm. Um, and I challenge myself to write material in that way and I feel like I'm getting better every year Um, and whatever comes from that I'll just do my best Mm -hmm. in that time because there's a part of me that slightly believes that um, this stuff the, the thing I don't want to say things happen for a reason, but your time comes. Mm. Yeah, and your time comes. Like I know. So I really started pursuing comedy after my mum passed away. So my mum passed away uh, five and a half years ago. That's gone really quickly, but it's gone five and a half years ago. And I had uh, two gigs booked after she died, which I thought was going to be the end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were just competition gigs. So you think of funny qualifier and another competition in London. Because I did well in those, I made the final. And then because of that, I got a couple of other gig bookings. And the gig bookings got grew and grew and grew. Mm-hmm. And I knew in my heart of hearts, had my mum been alive in a weird way, I wouldn't have been able to pursue comedy in the same way. She would have had, had it very difficult with me being on the road all the time. She would have found it very difficult to kind of be like how, you know, we come from a family of people who do very stable jobs. They work mm. in government, World Bank economist, a barrister, this kind of stuff. And now you're doing this. I don't quite. So it's weird that, you know, I, I miss my mum, but I also know that her not being here has enabled me to pursue this dream. And that sounds, yeah, it sounds we- harsh to say, maybe, but that's how circumstances transpire sometimes. That's just how life works. Exactly that. Mm. That's it. Um, so, so. In a weird way, you know, I feel blessed not that she's passed away, but <laughs> blessed that this is the path. Oh, thanks, mum. <laughs> oh, God, you were such an obstacle in my dreams. <laughs> oh. 
I love you, but I adore I love being you, on Frankie Boyle's World Order. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, but you needed to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got dark very quickly. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Like, because you were saying um, your parents were immigrants, weren't they? Don't worry, this isn't going yeah. down a yeah. racist route. Yeah. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. My favourite, my favourite. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that puts more pressures on you as, like, a child of parents who were immigrants to, like you say, to succeed and to, because you feel like, oh, you've risked everything and you've given up so much, and does that put you under yeah, certain I think, pressures? I, I, yeah, si- yeah I, think, I, think, I think it's a similar kind of pressure to being working class in this mm-hmm. country as well, yeah. which is that, you know, your, our parents, they, they're willing us to do well, but they have an idea of what well looks like. Yes. Yeah. Right? And they have an idea of this is what you should be doing. So this is, you know, completely foreign to them. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. <laughs> but <laughs> this is completely foreign to them. This is why I do comedy. Uh, <laughs> this is completely foreign to them. So they're like, okay, we're, we're going to trust you, mm-hmm. but there's a job down the office that you could do, which I know you're going to get money for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, that, that's where the pressure is, is. It's kind of me trying to tell particularly my dad, being like, dad, you know, this is, all right, I'm doing okay. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. And my dad's so sweet. Every so often, he'd be like, "Look, if you need any money, just let me know." Mm-hmm. And it will, it will always be based on what I'm wearing out. <laughs> <laughs> He'll look at me and be like, "If you need any money, just <laughs> what is that? <laughs> what, what's happened? Now? What's happened?" <laughs> the other day, kind of wistfully, I sat next to him, and he goes, "You know, I really liked it when you wore suits. You looked like you had it together." <laughs> 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 That's such a wonderful dadism. Yeah, dad is so cutting at the yeah, same time. You look like you had it together. Bless. Uh, when was the first time you became aware of mental health being a thing, be it negative or positive? Oh, this is a brilliant 
question because it was only very recently. Um, and I talked about it slightly in my show. I, um, it, it, in, in, 20, in 2017, I stupidly had an attempt on my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before that, it was in, in 2009-10, around the time I lost, my, I lost my job. And back then in 2009-10, I just didn't realise that I had any kind of mental health issues. Mm-hmm. At that time, I was just a bit like, oh, this solution felt like the right thing to do. And that doesn't need to be diagnosed by a doctor. Uh, it's the same as uh, I've got a paper cut, I put a plaster mm-hmm. in it. And the plaster here is kill yourself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's yeah. what I was thought then. Now, in 2017, especially after my mum passed away, I think, in hindsight's a powerful and dangerous thing. I think my mum probably had quite a few mental health challenges because of the life that she went through. Mm -hmm. But because we didn't have the vocabulary to know that that's the support she needed, we just put it down to her being a little bit stressy. She's just the kind of woman who gets angry very quickly and then calms down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's just her personality. And she was famed for having that personality. But actually, there's every possibility that mum could have been a bit bipolar. I don't know. There's every possibility that mum... Um, having been through the things she went through in her life, because she hadn't seen a therapist or someone to help her make sense of it, it manifested in the way that she loved and disciplined and got angry and you know, mm-hmm. we just put it down to her being that kind of personality. So it was only after that really that in the last three years, I guess, and this is part of the benefit of having these kind of conversations, is you hear this stuff and you're like, oh, this is a thing that I need to yeah. understand, yeah. that the brain and your mind's eye and all this stuff needs support. Mm-hmm. It's just like any other organ in your body um so it's only very recently i've learned about it and after um the attempt on your life yeah what did you where did you turn after that well this is the the bane of um many people's life who were close to me which is uh, i kind of because it was uh, basically i tried to jump in front of a train i tried to jump in front of a train and hesitated because i had a meeting at 10 30 and more people punctual than the train <laughs> yeah. probably people, people don't tell you this stuff like sometimes when it will be the tiniest yeah. thing that yeah. will stop you from doing something as calamitous as that yeah mm-hmm. But that tiny thing is enough to let you know that you shouldn't, you shouldn't, shouldn't do it. Do it. Yeah. The, whole, the whole thought process behind it was three minutes. It was just, I'd, I'd got to the train platform. I wasn't really in a bad place. I mm-hmm. wasn't thinking. I kind of pushed all the, my stresses to the back of my mind. Got to the platform. And then this thing in my voice, the voice in my head just went, oh, yeah, jump in front of the train, obviously. Mm-hmm. That's how you stop feeling like this. And mm-hmm. everybody else is going to be happier because you're not here anymore. You're a burden on their life. Yeah. I know your dad and brother love you, but fundamentally, you're also a bit of an emotional drain on them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my brain just telling me all this stuff and then went to jump, hesitated, got hit in the back, rolled onto the platform and then some a woman shouted, oh, he got hit by the train and then the guy was like, no, I think he jumped. Mm-hmm. At which point I kind of got up, ran out, went to a coffee shop, got a coffee, went to work, did a gig and just Fuck. put it down to... Bloody hell. And just put it down to, oh, it was just one of those moments. Yeah, yeah. a wibble. Just yeah. like, yeah, fine. Everyone uh, does that on yeah. a Monday. Yeah. Like, of course yeah. they do, right? And then I, I went home and <clears throat> I, I woke up the next morning and I just, I really beat myself up about it. I was mm-hmm. really because I was like, Ishan, this is, you know, you've been raised in a bed of privilege. How dare you try and do that to yourself when there are people with much worse problems than you? You know, I sort of talk to my friends and they're like, Ishan, you should go see a therapist. You should mm-hmm. go and see someone. And I'm like, yeah, but there are people with really serious problems that mm-hmm. need those services more than me. You know, and sometimes I, ha- I get caught up in this kind of quandary sometimes where I'm like, yeah, these conversations about mental health are very important. But also I've seen people sat on the tube who are facing the wall and smacking their head against it. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who need the help, not me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually, it's relative, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's relative. Like, you know, my, I, I'm. it's okay for me to feel like this mm-hmm. and for me to seek support for it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know, something in my brain... Oh, some, this is the problem with being too intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> 
finally, we're getting to we're getting it. There. Basically, I'm too clever, and my brain thinks too hard, and I can logic my way out of every situation. I'm like, okay. But when it comes to your own brain, it's the only thing you're allowed to be entirely selfish about. Mm-hmm. Like you have, you're the one person that's going to look after yourself. Mm. You're going to have people, your support network around you, but you're the one person that is going to drive that through and make sure that you get better. Yeah. And you are allowed to be selfish about. It. And we all have that that moment of going, well, these services are needed by these people. And yeah. I like my situation is always going to be less to someone else's situation. Mm-hmm. But if you just throw all the way out of the door and go, Do you know what, I'm not very well. I need help to be able to continue for me to continue to be here mm. then you just have to put it as black and white and that and yeah. go right okay i'm doing this and just mm. it is so worth yeah. it just be stubborn stick around and i think like as well it's so important like to like in terms of like discussions with mental health and privilege i think a lot of people who come from who are either in those like high-flying jobs from a middle class they have that sort of guilt of being like oh but why would i why should i get help or like say people are worse than me and oh but look i've got the job and i've got this or not and i think that can be just as damaging and like even even as a working class girl i think it's so important <laughs> And that people who are more privileged know that like you're fully fucking like deserving of help as well just because you've got a good job and better money and a nice car doesn't mean you're any less deserving of having your mental health looked after than someone yeah. Someone from a shit house like yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> I think also this is this is something that's I guess something ingrained in institution. You know, I I was educated privately, and I remember mm-hmm. on one occasion, you know, I was getting bullied a lot at school for being the poorest, fattest, brownest kid in the school. Mm-hmm. Went to the head of boarding house, Mr. Smith, and said, uh, I, I haven't made any friends. Like the, I'm really struggling, and he said, You're not here to make friends. You're here to make opportunity. Oh wow! And I was like, Yeah, of course. Obviously, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is something uh, T- Tom Horton, who's a comic, mm-hmm. talks about this a lot in his. In is set as well but private school and the industries that are then associated with it the reason why these people reach the most powerful positions is mm-hmm. because they're trained to mm-hmm. they are trained yeah. to reach powerful positions. and the reason they have no empathy is because they're trained to not have empathy yeah and so we can criticize them from a, a social or empathetic or sympathetic point of view and say you don't understand mm-hmm. and they're gonna say we know i'm not supposed to i'm not here to understand mm-hmm. right and so this kind of happened with me which is i grew up in an asian household which is very emotional very emotional Motive. That's what we do. Bollywood. Every emotion you sing it, yeah. you dance it, right? But at the same time, I'm I'm going to this school where, and it's British. It's a classic British institution. Mm-hmm. You don't show your emotions. Then I go into a, a career like banking, yeah. where pff, the only emotion you need to show is make that money fucking quickly, mm-hmm. and that's all that matters. Um, and you know, <clears throat> if you were to contact the occupational therapist or or, or the or, um, occupational health people, brother, who worked there because you wanted to see your mental health to look be looked mm-hmm. after. The culture was why being so weak. Yeah, like you're being weak. This is ridiculous. You've got all this money. You've got everything. What more could you possibly need from your life? Mm-hmm. Which then makes you feel bad for yeah. like you're to blame for how you're feeling yeah. almost. Which it's totally normal. I know this is. We're talking what? This is almost 20 to 22 years of socialising for me. Yeah. yeah. So now I'm at a place where I'm like, I've tried to unlearn those behaviours and those ideas yeah. in a bit to be like, oh, maybe I can, I can be selfish mm-hmm. about my brain yep. and ignore the stuff around me. Mm-hmm. But it's a work in progress. Oh, yeah. it always is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you were just saying then, it's like, what more could you want out of life? Like material things are all well and good, but to be happy is, well, not even happy, just okay. Yeah. Is what we want out of life. And yeah. it doesn't 
matter what situation you're in, if you're not feeling that way, yeah. you, you're allowed to work and get there and be happy or okay or just feel, I know the, the term is um, really stupid, but just normal. Your normal mm-hmm. flat version of yourself. yourself yeah. yeah, And yeah. that's absolutely fine. I don't know what the flat version of myself looks like. I, <laughs> I have not got an absolute clue what mine is. Yeah, no, no idea. And also, it's all the little things as well. Like, as a child, if I didn't want to say, didn't want to finish my dinner, mm-hmm. you know, the classic is your mum would say there, there were kids in Africa who were starving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those socialising behaviours become the norm. And yeah. you kind mm-hmm. of, that becomes your paradigm, right? Uh, and now I've grown up, there is so much trouble and strife in the world, but I'm not there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm here. Yeah. And unless I sort myself out first, I can't go out and fly over to Syria and be like, stop the bombing. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go to Yemen and be like, oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but this is what I was going to say earlier when you, you we were just saying... Um, like, why don't I take my own life because other people are suffering a lot worse than I am? Mm-hmm. It's like, but if you do that, what you are gonna, how's that going to help anyone? Yeah. That's not going to help anyone. You should stick around, be stubborn, and then you can do whatever, even if it's just a little bit of donation here or there, or just kind of making sure you're with mental health, just talking if you can. Yeah. Just bringing that little bit of good back into the world. It doesn't have to be much. It could be fucking yeah. two quid a month or something like that, yeah. but you're doing something, mm-hmm. and that little thing is better than nothing Yeah. every single time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry to make mm. it all so serious or all of a sudden. Um, Do you want to play a game? <laughs> yeah. And I'm just, <laughs> just wildly veering I between. Love that. Yeah. That was a very sharp left. Yeah. 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 Tension Good. relief. <laughs> this is the jingle. Do, 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 do. <laughs> that was the jingle. Yeah. Do, 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 as in do get help. <laughs> do, do. <laughs> what I'm here for. Right. I haven't technically invented the game. What I've done is I've taken a pre-existing game and put the word anxiety in front of it. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like a Dragon Den pitch. I haven't <laughs> technically invented this. But. Yeah. So, it's so not like would you rather, uh-huh. but it's anxiety would you rather. Okay. So I've picked, I've gone through. Who did um, invent would you rather? Uh, Do we know? I don't, I don't know. I don't think there is an official person that's Someone have must have it. come up with it. Mm-hmm. Like, do you see all these things that we just take for granted? Someone yeah. must have. There must be yeah. someone screaming into a pillow saying, <laughs> "No one me. gives me royalties." <laughs> they keep playing it in the pubs when uh, they're yeah. pissed. It'll be fine when this goes out and we get sued by some random <laughs> yeah. person that claims to have invented it. Yeah. My game. So it's all different. Like, um, so like two sides of the same coin. Like anxious scenarios. Okay. It's like which one? So if you just, I forgot to do it with someone before. So if you just pick a number between one and nineteen, they are one and nineteen. Can I quickly ask why that range? Because there's twenty episodes, but I forgot to do it with the person before. So now it's only nineteen. So you want to pick any number? Yeah. Eight is my favourite number. Eight. Okay. Ah, oh, this is an interesting one. Would you rather live in a house with loads of mirrors or no mirrors? Zero mirrors. Really? Yeah. I've not made really? eye contact. No mirrors. I've not made eye contact with a mirror since I was fifteen. Because I didn't realise this was a. I, I sort of asked on like um, on the Instagram stories. I was like, let me know like things that make you anxious. And this was one that came up a couple of times. Mirrors, and I'd never, never considered that. Nope. Why do you think really? you haven't? Oh, I know why. Basically, I got bullied a lot at school for basically being ugly. Mm-hmm. And Damn it! This game was meant to be fun. And then, and then they did this one thing where, like, they they cracked a mirror with a stone when they said it was my fault. Oh, that's kind of stuck. 
That's yeah. Children are fucking vile, aren't they? A little shit. But you know, the comedian part of my brain is like, that's kind of clever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Respect. As yes. bullying goes, it's highly inventive. It's, high, it's very. And one of them got seven based. years bad luck anyway. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Jokes very on them, really. But um, yeah, I've not made eye contact with the mirrors as I was 15. See, on the flip side, I'd rather have loads of mirrors. And that's because I've always been very paranoid about how I look. So I constantly like to check in with how I right. look. Because I've always been made to feel a bit like shit about how I look. And like at school, I had the braces. I had the glasses like that kind of thing and I feel like if I didn't have a mirror I'd just be like I've got snot on my face or I've got this or I've got that and uh, my boyfriend said because when I was writing this one down he went every reflective surface you check like you check yourself out in it and he went it's not in like a vein like "Mm, how do I look he went you can see like the fear in your eyes being like do I look like a human (laughs) (laughs) what about you why why, why, why wouldn't you want mirrors I just don't like looking at myself it just ruins my day (laughs) frankly but I've got cripplingly low self esteem and I describe myself as looking like a ham that's fallen down the stairs Um, (laughs) quite a fit ham oh cheers mate (laughs) as hams go you're quite a fit broken mirror so (laughs) (laughs) you raise me <laughs> right, we've got five minutes left. Do you want to? Uh... Right. If you could go back to when you were younger and give yourself some advice on um, mental health and living without misery, what would you tell yourself? Oh, this is a good question because I'm still trying to answer that question myself now. But to my younger self, I'd probably say ask yourself the question Are you happy with this? That's a really good one. I like that. That's Ask really yourself the question, are you happy with this? And if you're not, don't force yourself to do anything. That's such a good rule of thumb. Mm. Because... God, you are intelligent. <laughs> you are. We laughed before and you're right. Uh, I don't think I laughed. I think it was just you, to be honest. You lost your mind. And I was just like, what the fuck? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's, yeah, that's what I tell... I just want to tell my younger brother, he's ten years younger than me, he just got married recently. And, um, yeah, I've always, I guess I've always told him that. Just ask yourself, are you happy with this? Mm. Uh, because you don't owe anyone anything but yourself. Mm-hmm. Even your parents and whoever else, they work hard, everybody works hard. But if you're happy with the decisions you're making, the people around you who really love you, they'll go with it. They'll be like, okay, I love you. As long as you're happy, yeah. that's all I care. So ask yourself if you're happy with this would be my advice, I think. That's absolutely beautiful. Love that one. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you very much. This is amazing. We hope you can take something from this podcast away with you into your day-to-day life. Whatever situation you're in, you're not by yourself. We can share our stories, share our experiences. We can help each other know that things do get better. Episode 27 done. Complete. We did it. Well done, us. Let's take the rest of the day off. Uh, thank you to Ishan for letting us talk to uh, talk at him or to him. Either or, really. Bit of both. Uh, thank you to Lauren. Thank you to Dave and Calm. And thank you to you, obviously, for listening. Because uh, without you, this would just be weird. Uh, if you enjoy these weird little podcasts, please rate and review and leave us nice feedback and share far and wide. If you don't like these podcasts, then what are you doing here? Like 27 episodes in if you, and you're not enjoying it? What's wrong with you? You, you're, you need to bigger problems than this podcast going to solve. Uh, anyway, I think that's everything. Bye, 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 bye. Mom 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Would you give your mom, dad, aunt, or that uncle who hugs your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh, no. Oh, my God, it's, it's a really long video. Ew. In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos, and browser history. What is your social history? Sorry? What to do, tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone, a Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> 